You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Jump the gun a little bit there. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Show. Naz and Wally are not with us this morning. Naz is on his scouting mission trying to find the Bills some football players. And uh, Wally's still out trying to find the next Bernardo. I'm Mike Wilson, your host this morning. But you may know me as the Ultimate Leafs fan. And joining me this morning is a hockey historian, author of the book, Bob Goldham, Outside the Gold Crease, Jimmy Amadeo. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning, Michael. Nice to be here with you. Well, great to have you. We've got a few things to talk about today. Obviously, our beloved Maple Leafs, we will be discussing in some detail. We have Lance Hornby from the Toronto Sun joining us. We'll give us the real opinions of what's going on in Leaf Camp. And, you know, we've got a couple other things we'll surprise people with as the show goes on. So starting right off, uh, you know, just after four exhibition games or four preseason games, as they call them now, what are your impressions so far of our blue and white team? Well, I think they're right on course. And, uh, you know, you talk about impressions. I think the first impression, like, just not limited to me, but everyone in Leaf Nation is uh, John Tavares. Um, the expectations going in, his background, you know, he was he was top five player in the NHL with the New York Islanders. And you knew he would be spectacular, but he's uh, he brings a whole new dimension to the club. Uh, you talk about the Leafs being strong up the middle with uh, uh, Matthews, uh, Tavares, and Kadri. Uh, it takes me back. You know me. I'm a historian. I'm a traditionalist. It takes me back to uh, 1947 when the Leafs got uh, 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 Max Bentley from the Chicago Blackhawks in a massive 5-for-2 uh, trade. And that gave the Leafs Sill Apps, Ted Kennedy, and uh, Bentley. As up the middle, and that was strong. So I'm looking at this training camp at the Leafs up the middle because I think everything's going to be imp- directed in that way to getting the puck uh, to Tavares, to Kadri, to Matthews. And it's just uh, the expectations are there, and as of this point, they're meeting them, and I didn't think there would be no reason why they wouldn't. They're that, they're that good, and it's going to be the, the rock of the Toronto Maple Leafs. As they go along with the goaltender, Freddie Anderson, so are the Leafs going to go. So uh, it's, you know, you got small battles for like uh, a fifth, sixth defenseman, a fourth line, but uh, it's all working out, and I think uh, everything's pointing to a, a great start for the team. Well, so let's let's start right there. I mean, the, the, down the middle is no question that they're probably as strong as anybody in the National Hockey League, so that, that's not a question. And, but but what, what will be on everybody's mind is who plays with who. So... You like the fact that now Nylander, when he actually comes back, uh, you know, we can get to that in a second. But when Nylander actually does finally turn around and sign to come back, I mean, he'll be up front with Matthews and Marlowe. But there's, as Steve Simmons made an interesting comment this morning, and I've thought about this myself, that, you know, Marner being such a creative player, if Matthews, who's, who, you know, scores more goals than he has assists, if he doesn't pick up his... You know, assist and, and dishes, if you will. You know, maybe the, the swap of those two forwards with a more creative player on that side who would set him up. And then you have Marlo, who's a pure player all around and plays a great 200-foot game. And then Tavares, who is obviously a great passer himself. Maybe the, the, the line under switch, that might work at some point. But those are the easy decisions to make for the Leafs. So, I mean, where it's going to get tough is where you really win is your third and fourth lines. So that third line, the battle with Kadri to play, you know, there's a third line center, a 30-goal score. So right now it looks like Connor 
Brown could be penciling it on one side. And you have to think that Josh Levo, it's his job to lose after these couple of years. And they, they probably owe it to the kid to at least give him one shot to win that position. So we'll, we'll, we'll sort of give him that for the time being. But let's look at that fourth line. And that's the line that wins you hockey games. And Lindholm, who I know is high on Babcock's list, Kapanen had a very strong year last year and needs more ice time. Johnson hasn't been particularly outstanding so far in, the, in, in preseason games. But I think it's their job to lose also. So is there anybody you see that, that, that sort of fits, fits into the mix there? Or do you, would you sort of concur what I'm thinking as far as those guys go? I'm going to add one name to the uh, mix. That's Tyler Innes. Yeah. And he's just, uh, with Nylander holding out, not signed, you can tell that um, the Leafs had, I don't know if they thought this out or, or whatever when they signed Innes, but he's fitting in very nice f- for Nylander. Now, uh the, how does that change the dynamic when you get to the third, fourth lines? Uh, you know, do you may, do you find a mix for him? Do you may put Nylander on a different line? Maybe do you just do a completely different line and put him on with the uh, um, uh, the fourth line, third line? You don't. You just don't know. You don't know what they're going to do with it. But I'm looking also at the defense. You know, they, they're pretty solid. They got uh, Morgan Riley with uh, Ron Hainsey. Uh, uh, is that seven Gardner? Gardner, and then you got uh, Travis Dermott. Now they got to find a partner to play with him on the right side. Now they got Hole, they got Garrick. You know, wow. who do you fit into that position? And you got you got other names like uh, uh, Callie Rosen, uh, Borgman, who play the left left side. I know so you're, you're not saying Ozzy's name. Ozaganov, <laughs> yes, that's a tricky one. I leave those to the experts like Joe Bowen and Jimmy Ralph to look after. Well, Lance, we'll put Lance <laughs> on the spot when he gets on in a second here. <laughs> well, first of all, we'll say he should know the spelling, so we will have him pronounce it. But I, I, that's what I'm looking at also is the defense, like how do they uh, work out. And, and it's something, Mike, that is so interchangeable. You know, uh, you got Dermot on the uh, left side, so you got a full, it's either Hole or Garrick, as I said. But... Uh, you can just interchange. You can move one to the other side. I'm sure they can play it. But uh, it's something that'll training camp, they take a look at everybody. Then they start the season, and it's in stone. But there's always, these guys are just down the road playing yeah. at the uh, Coca-Cola Arena now instead of the Rico Center. They renamed the uh, arena of the Marlies. Yeah. But if something doesn't work out, they got the depth to make the change. So what you're looking at, another thing is, first off, not a real, I'm not a real big fan of preseason, especially. I know you have to have, and players have to get in shape, but, you know, I just pointed that night in Tavares' second goal in Lucan when he fell with the, his legs underneath him. What if that leg bends back, you know, and, and, you know, you've got some young kid trying to make a name for himself running at a player. And, you know, you don't, you don't get a real test. I mean, that the teams that Ottawa put, I mean, our Ottawa friends are not going to like us, but that was, you know, those two teams, there's there's no test for the team they put on the ice, those two games uh, this week. So you don't get a real true test. So to, to the point for Tyler Ennis, he is a proven player before, but he did struggle last year. So he was thrown into the mix to be one of those players. But, you know, Mike Babcox has never given a job to anybody who has a pedigree. You have to earn the spot. You've got to take it. And, you know, if you don't earn the spot, you know the junior kids are coming on. They're going to take it. They're going to take a, a veteran spot, and they're going to take his job. I think there's too much emphasis put on the Maple Leafs' defense. Uh, I think it's going to be better than people are predicting it'll be. I was on record as saying I think Kelly Rosen was going to make the team this year, and he would be 
the player he was last year, I know there's a difference between the AHL and the NHL, but he emerged last year. He made the Leafs last year come out of camp. He was Marley's probably next to Johnson was their best player in the playoffs, and Johnson joined them at the end after dropping off of the Leafs. But uh, right through the whole playoffs, Borgman before that was the Leafs' best defenseman with the Marlies, but got hurt, and Rosen took that reins and ran with it, and he was outstanding in the, in the Calder Cup final. And he made, he made the team last year coming out of camp. Both of them he did, made, yeah. And I think that uh, Borgman, I think, is the type of player as the Leafs are looking for because he does play with an edge. Uh, Rosen has got uh, great acceleration. He has to learn to hang on the puck a little more once he gains the zone. And once he does that, and I think that's one of the things the Leafs are looking for him to do at the NHL level, I think he'll be a keeper. And then you've got Hole, who actually played very well last year also. We have Ozzy, who's, uh, I think, going to be, he's adjusting to the size of the rank. I think he's going to have a shot to play regularly. And Dermot, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he showed last year he has the tools to, to stay in the National Hockey League, and he's definitely a good playmaker, and he does play a decent game. So, Players in the NHL, once they play the move to the NHL and they play with better players, are sometimes better players, as we've seen in the past. And we've seen that with uh, Kadri. I mean, if you watch Kadri as a play for Martyrs, you wouldn't have been able to pick him out if you didn't know who he was. And Tyler Bozak was the same way. And they were better players playing in the Nash Hog League. So I'm going to give that to these guys to step their games up and play at a little higher level. Thus, that's why I think uh, Levo gets a shot this year. So speaking of which, Jimmy, I mean, I think, you know, we'll get, we'll get some opinions from our friend in a couple minutes on what was really going to happen. <laughs> we'll put the pressure on him. But as far as Nylander goes, what do you think? What do you think happens there? I mean, I think eventually the player does eventually cave and sign. I mean, they're not going to outweigh an owner. But what what happens with Nylander when he comes back? You think he gets put right on that line, or are they going to make him work his way back up there again? Well, you know, you know, by Pocock, you got to earn it. That's so he he's that. missed the training camp. You know, what, what if Nylander had come in, uh, signed, and it was in camp right from day one, and he was struggling? You know, that would have been a very interesting dynamic. You know, so. Uh, he'll eventually sign. He's going to sign, yeah, and, and he'll be playing with Matthews. There's going to be no question. And Ennis and, and is going to have to earn his spot. So, anyway, we're going to get a little further details. We've given, no, we're going to get the professional opinion in a couple minutes. We'll take a break and stay with us. We're right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I'm in Modena, birthplace of Pavarotti. When I knocked on my cousin's door, he opened it and said... My long-lost cousin, you finally come home. You must now marry my neighbour's sister. I said I had to get something in the car and never went back. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. 
This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back, guys. Uh, I'm Mike Wilson, your host this morning. Uh, joining me, Jim Amadeo. And on the phone we have from the Toronto Sun, the authority in all things Maple Leafs, Lance Harvey. Good morning, Lance. How are you doing, guys? We're doing great today. So you're still you're still in Buffalo, as I understand it. Yes, uh, taking my time uh, on the way home. Uh, great game last night, though. I'm sure uh, most people uh, most people saw it. Uh, probably as close to an NHL caliber team uh, as Leafs have played. Uh, Austin Matthews certainly saying that he uh, he felt comfortable, and Freddie Anderson as well. And that's key as you uh, move along halfway through the uh, exhibition season now. And uh, guys are looking for uh, some some hint that uh, things are going to come together and, and certainly last night in many ways if you saw that uh, Matthew's goal from uh, Tyler Ennis and Patrick Marlowe uh, starting uh, you know back to front with uh, the way the puck moved up uh, from from the defense uh, that that looked good and of course uh, Buffalo uh, provided Toronto with one of the better uh, lineups they faced so far so uh, 4-0 and uh, not, nothing much uh, to, I'm sure there's lots of uh, things you still have to be ironed out for Mike Babcock but last night probably the most encouraging of the preseason games yet well, the interesting thing we've seen, Lance, to, to your point on uh, Matthew's goal last night, was a pure goal scorer's goal, as we saw with Tavares, his first goal the other night in Lucan was a goal scorer's goal, and that, that, that's encouraging for Leaf fans moving forward. But you follow this team, obviously, very closely, and you've been watching them since pretty much the, be- the beginning of August. What, is there anybody, I mean, obviously, the, uh, coming into camp, most of the spots have been penciled in, and there's a couple of, I mean, there's probably, you know, eight to ten guys fighting for two spots, if you look at it realistically. Who has been the surprise for you so far coming out of camp? Well, uh, most people thought that uh, Igor uh, Ozaganov would uh, would struggle a little bit, certainly <laughs> with the language, but uh, as Mike Babcock and others have said, and I, I spoke to his agent as well, uh, Opti is making more advancements than that at this stage. You know, he certainly has the size, and now uh, he, you know, he's ramped up his English uh, uh, from uh, one lesson to a four or five a week with his tutor, and uh, that helps immensely. And I think uh, he's played he's played quite well in working his way in there. And last night, interesting pairing with he and he and uh, Callie Rosen, who uh, was beaten out quite fairly by uh, Andreas Borgman last year when the Leafs were looking for a hitter on the blue line. Rosen, I thought, played a huge game. Last night, he actually looked like uh, more looked like Cal Ripken. I thought in uh, one play there, where he snared a uh, puck that was uh, being uh, dumped by the Sabers, uh, and in one motion, uh, had it in his glove, knocked it down, sent it back up. The play that eventually uh, resulted in a goal. The Maple Leafs. So uh, certainly, everyone's watching on defense, of course, with uh, you know the question about whether they're going to chase a stud uh, over the summer. Uh, personally, I think if that sort of, if that move ever comes, it's going to be closer to the, the trade deadline, especially now with the Eric Carlson situation settled. So everyone watching what's going on uh, on the blue line right now, and I'm, I'm quite impressed by guys like Rosen, uh, 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 Ozzie Ganov, and of course everyone likes it too. 
Woods, uh, Lilligren, and uh, Sandine. They're playing really well. They're not going to make the team, but uh, wow, what a what, what a taste of the future if those two guys uh, can come through the system and uh, and be ready in a couple of years. So that's the story on defense. I, I you know everyone uh, surprised that uh, Tyler Ennis played so well uh, on on the wing with. Uh, with Matthews uh, and Marlowe, uh, you know, I really think that William Belander saga is going to come to an end uh, sooner rather than later. However, uh, they've only tried one person there, and that's Ennis, and he's got a lot to prove but bouncing back from the tough years in Buffalo and Minnesota and uh, has fit well in there. So uh, I think William's got to be sitting back in Sweden looking at that a bit, not that it's uh, going to be the one thing that determines it, but uh, he's got to be feeling a little antsy and, and maybe Kyle Dubas uh, feeling, you know, uh, less stress that uh, Elander isn't here right now. Well, Lance, let's just, let's just address that for a moment. I, I, and they're beating us to death. Uh, you know, there was like six, I think, or seven kids that were sitting out in training camp, and they're all sort of caving now and signing these bridge deals. How, and Elander's sitting there watching this. His father played for a number of teams in the National Hockey League and was aggressive in some of his uh, contract signings, as a player should be. How much influence do you think he's having on this? Well, it's uh, part his dad and partly uh, his agent, uh, Louis Gross, has a uh, has a, uh, a penchant for uh, you know, uh, as most agents do, uh, you know, but especially him uh, asking uh, for a lot. And right now, that uh, is not a figure the Leafs are comfortable with. And he get into the big battle: is should uh, Nylander sign a bridge deal, or should he go long term? You got to know that he'll, he'll be uh, part of a big part of this. Moving forward, but at the same time, uh, you know, people are thinking that if one player uh, maybe doesn't fit the or, or for a better term, has to be sacrificed for the greater good in terms of uh, contract or maybe a deal down the road, it's going to be it's going to be Nylander, and uh, you know, you'd hate to have him move away if you're if you're Kyle Dubas, uh, you know. Um, maybe get traded and then come back to haunt the team. So in a perfect world, they want him under contract and they want him contributing, and there's no way they're going to choose Tyler Ennis over Nylander. But, you know, the longer this is on, it's going to be interesting. Uh, right now, I guess it's uh, Tyler Dubas' first test in terms of uh, waiting for, uh, you know, high uh, profile negotiation and people wondering how he's going to handle it. Uh, right now, he's in the driver's seat. Oh, hi, Lance. Uh, Jim Amadeo here. Hi, Jim. Congratulations Hi. on your book. Oh, great. Thank you very much. Um, now we're into the uh, goal situation. We know Freddie Anderson's going to be the starting goalie, but then you got uh, McElhaney, who's also considered uh, a for, uh, veteran, and you got uh, Garrett Sparks, uh, goalie of the year in the American Hockey League, Calder Cup winner. Uh, how do you see that all unfolding, uh, maybe even this year and a little further beyond? Well, uh, there was one uh, small setback for Sparks. A lot of people, uh, you know, this being Toronto, reading into uh, how uh, you know how rough an outing he had uh, in Toronto on Friday against the Sabres. But uh, don't count this uh, this kid out. I mean, he's you know he's uh, not as well known maybe as McElhenney, and uh, it, it was look like he overplayed a few pucks on uh, on Friday. But uh, you know he, he didn't get to thirty and change wins and uh, the Barleys uh, to Calder Cup. Uh, you know by uh, by playing that way, he's been rock solid. He had a great goaltending coach in Piero Greco uh, with the Marlies. And, uh, you know, he, he could be rebated. I guess the difficulty for him is that Curtis McElhinney is such, uh, you know, he's so poised back there. He's got the right right age. He's not uh, someone who's going to uh, upset the apple cart as far as uh, Anderson's 60 games and change are concerned. So he's perfect back there. And then last night, you know, right off the bench, everyone forgets about Calvin Pickard, who uh, came in last night, made uh, 14, I believe, uh, saves in the third period after Anderson played the first 40 minutes. 
he's uh, you know he, he's a great go-to guy as well should anything happen. So I really see the Leafs backing off McElhinney, uh at this stage, especially how well he played last year, how how he's already got it in his mind he's going to uh, you know play the back to backs and do everything like that. The uh, you know I, I think what's going to happen is uh, the, the Leafs may have no choice but to uh, to dangle um, Sparks on waivers, which they don't want to do. They've invested seven eight years in them, and uh, you know so that's not a situation they're looking forward to. But it, it may be the only one they have left if indeed they can't uh, change him into something. Now last night, just to get back to the uh, the, the first premise, is how. Well, Anderson has played uh, last night. He, he, you know, a couple of goals uh, first against him, but he's really felt that last night he looked, uh, you know, he was comfortable. He saw a lot of penalty kill, which he needs. And uh, remember, he's had two sluggish starts uh, in his two years as a Maple Leaf. He's really come in trying some different things. He says to, uh, you know, to, to to be stronger, to move better, and uh, he's counting on on a big start, which of course uh, the Leafs need and. Uh, something that's going to be important to them going forward if they're going to uh, fulfill all these expectations they have in the spring. Well, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that happened to Sparks the other night was what happens to a lot of young goaltenders is he puts so much pressure on himself and the press, of course, being in Toronto, everybody's going to be on him. And he made the comment that he didn't want to play anywhere else except the Maple Leafs, which is obvious. I mean, that's, that's the obvious thing he'd want to do is play the National Hockey League. But I think once he got into the game, he didn't forget how to play goal all of a sudden one night. It's just one oh, of yeah. those things where he put so much pressure on himself, he overplayed some pucks, as you said. And then, you know, back the night after, last night you have McElhinney come in and he even made a comment this morning uh, in the press that yeah, I'm not I'm not a kid anymore. Um, you know, I'm I'm too old to worry about that stuff. I just go out and play my game and that's kind that's the kind of maturity and the kind of level of of you know um, um, awareness that, that the Leafs are looking for and I think I think the, st- the backup goal to get more starts this year because you know you want Anderson fully rested moving into the playoffs. So th- it's his job to lose again, but I don't think that, it's unfortunate for Pickard and Sparks that they've got this. But it's great for us as Maple Leaf fans and for the Maple Leafs to have this type of depth. So, oh, yeah, you only have to go back to you know two or three years ago, and they were struggling to find a starter. Never mind that the, the backup goalie is the big story heading into camp. I'm sure they would have taken that a few years ago. No question, Lance. I'd like to get your opinion on. Uh, this whole captaincy thing with uh, Leafs and what seems to be a trend around the National Hockey League because according to some statistics, uh, a third of the NHL teams are going to go into the uh, regular season without a captain. Uh, what's your view on this whole, uh, should Matthews be captain, should Morgan Riley, should uh, uh, Tavares be captain? You know what, I, I'm a, I'm a, so, so tired of the story. <laughs> Just, Me too. You know, I think it's a, a non-story. I understand where it comes from from the fans, and then, but you know, you, you turn around and I, I look at my own newspaper, and we're we're running an online poll: who would be the best captain for the Maple Leafs? So that's how much influence I have. But uh, you know what? They got 105 points last year without a captain, and uh, you know, the, I don't see any reason to foist that on Matthews or uh, or Tavares or, or anybody else. They seem to have the right uh, mix in terms of uh, young guys moving up, and uh, you know, you, you see it was interesting last. Year. Flo, uh, you know, had uh, had an A on Jack Eichel, and, and Matthews had an A. So you know, you, you see the future uh, that you know. Eventually, will he be captain? Well, yeah. Let's look two or three years down the road. Well, why do it now? It's a huge distraction. 
you don't need. There's so many guys that kind of speak for this team, be it uh, in their own way, Ron Hainsey or, or Morgan Riley or, or John Tavares. Obviously, uh, a lot of people gravitate to, to him, and I can see him, you know, being kind of the Sundin type, the the face of the, the franchise that's going to uh, answer all the questions after the game. But beyond that, beyond some ceremonial face-offs, it's not a big deal. Uh, and I, I say that as a, you know, like you, Mike, and, and you, Jim, the Elif historian who knows how big uh, the captaincy was in those days. But right now, you know, what would you rather have? Uh, you know, a team that goes far in the playoffs that has the right chemistry in the room or uh, a team that, uh, you know, is, is gets kind of caught up in all this uh, decision about who wears one winner. I think the Maple Leafs are uh, demonstrated last year, especially. They have the right mix right now. You know, and uh, everything else, uh, as far as the captaincy goes, is a bit of a sideshow. Okay, lads, the Leafs win the Stanley Cup this year. They're all gathered at center ice at Scotiabank Arena. Who gets right. the cup first? Who takes it first? I would say uh, that will depend on uh, who's, uh, you know, who's maybe maybe the uh, the might uh, winner. And I can't believe I'm saying all this. Uh, yeah, I know. Please, guys, it's a long way to go. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Uh, I, it, it, oftentimes it goes by uh, by seniority. I, I think because a lot of the old time Leafs have moved out. I would say you know if you're picking at the three A's, it's got to be one of those, and it would be uh, maybe a guy like Riley who's been here a while, or maybe a guy like Tavares uh, who comes home. And uh, how, what a big thrill that would be for a, a Toronto-born player to lift the cup at uh, at uh, the Scotiabank. And uh, it's, uh, keep in mind, though, it's a long way between uh, now and uh, June uh, 15th or whatever it is. Well, that's what everybody has to realize. The expectations are the highest. I'll answer you, and I've talked about this in the past, the highest probably in the history of the franchise coming into this season. And it, uh, even with the line that they have that looks exceptionally strong on paper, you still have to have everything go right. The hockey gods have to look after you. The puck has to bounce right. The puck has to go to the right oh, stick. Yeah. All those things have to happen. And as far as the captain goes, just sit Rick Vibe down and have a chat with him about captaincy at the age of 22. He didn't want the job. He was too immature. He thought too young. But when the boss tells you to be captain, what are you going to do? Say no? <laughs> because the next thing you know, you're going to be playing in Belugahar somewhere. And so, so those well, yeah, are- that's uh, you know that's something that happens as well. Uh, and and I think uh, this particular Maple Leaf management from Brendan Shanahan on down realizes that you know, and, and Shanahan is a Hall of Famer who uh, who's uh, you know who's who's been around a lot of great players in the game. So I think uh, I think he knows the best way to remedy this, and so is uh, so is Babcock and you know Kyle Dubas is is on board as well. So. Uh, Again, I don't see it as uh, as the big issue. And, uh, you know, the Marlies had an interesting take on it uh, last year. They did not have a captain at the start, and uh, they eventually gave it to Ben Smith because he told him, Keith, uh, the coach's words, uh, it happened organically. Maybe that's what happens this year with the Maple Leafs. And uh, somebody really uh, becomes the, uh, you know, goes to the forefront, does all the, does it on and off the ice, leads by example. And, and maybe for 2019-20, uh, it uh it becomes uh, very obvious who the captain should be. So let's so that way you just mentioned the Martyrs. How do you, you follow the Martyrs pretty closely? And I went to a number of games last year and watched them. I mean, it's it's terrific hockey, by the way, for listeners out there. If you if you want a great night's entertainment, go take in a Marty game because the the, the the play level of play is exceptional. And so, what do you think of the club this year? They they're they're in a position now where they have to repeat, and everybody's going to be gunning for them. I think just what I'm looking at with players going down there, I think they could be as good as they were last year. What's your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know what? The, the Leafs have more uh, prospects than they've, they've had before. I, I think, uh, let's just say for argument's sake, that Sparks gets put on waivers or something happens, and uh, at the worst, uh, 
Calvin Pickard is their is their starter. I mean, they, uh, you know, so you're, you're strong there. You have a good chance that uh, guys like Timothy Liljegren and uh, and uh, Andrew Nielsen uh, are, are going to play a big role on defense. They, they still have the veterans in Mueller uh, and players like that. Uh, Pierre Engel is uh, putting up, uh, you know, putting on quite a show here. Adam Brooks is having a, a heck of a camp, I think. So. It, you know, I think they're going to be well positioned to do it. Yes, they're going to have a target on their back, and that's going to be uh, a big thing. It's uh, pretty tough to, uh, you know, when you're got have to play three and four nights, and sometimes, uh, especially early in there, winning isn't the big thing. You want to give all your uh, your kids a fair shot, and that may uh, extend to some, uh, some you didn't see very much last year. So it's going to be quite interesting, I think. Uh, how the Marlies uh, approach this, but uh, Sheldon Keith is back, and uh, that's uh, a big part. So very much uh, the same program, and uh, you know, a new batch of players. It's going to be a great challenge for those guys. Now, one of the guys, uh, one of the guys that stands out, and I know was a favorite of Babcock last year, player was was uh, Trevor Moore. What is, is yeah. he going to get a shot to even? Well, actually, two guys I'm going to ask you about. I'm going to ask about Moore, because I always liked him with Marty. He seemed to stand out every time I watched him play. And he was actually playing center when I watched him. And they moved him to the wing at the end. And he seemed to be the guy that other coaches and the other teams always brought up as being that pain in the side for the Marty's, not the big guys up front, which was Alton and Grudstrom and, and Johnson, but it was Moore. But him and what do you think happens with him? And I think he gets a shot at some point to sure to play a game. But what about Levo? What's, what's the situation there? Oh well, they, you bring up uh, some good points. I mean, uh, we're not even uh, talking about uh, Levo right now. He's been able to uh, move up and be a, uh, a presence on that line, and uh, this is his big shot. He's been, uh, you know, he's been waiting for this uh, healthy scratch all last year. Signed with the Leafs with the promise uh, that he was going to get some time uh, when, you know, maybe if he'd been dangled and Las Vegas had picked him up, maybe he's, uh, you know, he was had a shot at being uh, on, on their club and, and having an even higher profile now. So. He's certainly a presence. Uh, Moore is, is a guy that Mike Babcock has mentioned several times. He's quite impressed with uh, how well uh, he has played along with Brooks and a couple of, uh, of those guys. Uh, you know, Moore came from uh, California, played at the University of Denver, uh, kind of went the route that uh, Tyler Bozak did, and certainly raising some uh, some eyebrows around camp this year. So, you know, those are guys that, again, are going to have a, a huge role on the market, sort of uh, usurped by some you know some guys uh, like Johnson and um, and Carl Grunstrom's another guy. Uh, you know, and guys who've maybe moving up to the Leafs this year. And you got to think of a guy like Jeremy Brackless scored a couple of goals yes. already uh, so far for uh, the Leafs uh, in in preseason. So those are all guys that we're going to have higher roles next year with the Marlies and, and know from uh, the long run the team had last year and from what uh, Babcock has uh, has asked. Them this year because he's more familiar with them. I think they're going to have huge years in the NHL. Well, you know, as always, I mean, I, we, we'll definitely be watching with great interest. Uh, the expectations and the prospects for our Maple Leafs have never been higher. It's very nice to see this depth we have. Lance, always a pleasure to talk. Uh, let's keep these keep this all going and keep the mem going, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us. Good to me on, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, and guys, <laughs> we're going to take a short little break. We're going to be right back. Stay with us, and uh, got some interesting things to talk about coming up. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I travelled to Italy to explore my Italian heritage. I have family in Caprese, home of Michelangelo, who famously painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It took him four years. We must be distant relatives, because it took me almost as long to paint the ceiling of my garage. I'm sure he did a bunch of nudes, but I did two coats. Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. 
At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. Woodbridge. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I'm Mike Wilson, known as the Ultimate Leafs fan, filling in with Jim Amadeo. Jimmy, um, you, you've, I guess we'd be remiss if we didn't get to this. You've just recently published a book on Bob Goldham called Outside the Gold Crease. Now, I know you. this has been a project you've been working on for a number of years. I know there's been, a, knowing you the way you are, and you're, you wrote your hockey blog, by the way, Hockey Then and Now, if you want to look it up, folks. This book has been labor of love. So I'm going to fire two questions at you. Number one, you rewrote the, I don't know how many chapters I hear you rewrite it, because it seemed to take forever to write that. So for us amateurs, I mean, it takes me two days to write a blog, okay, for, you know, 500 words. You doing this, what is it that you, what were, what was probably one of the most telling things that you found about Bob that you didn't know that made you rewrite a chapter of all the chapters? Because I think you rewrote the book three times. And secondly, when readers take this book in, and people should read this book, what is it about Bob that you discovered that they're going to be surprised when they read the book? Okay, I'll take the first one about the uh, time it took and the... Um the effort put into it is, uh, you, you know, you would. I spent a lot of time at the uh, Toronto Reference Library down in the yep. uh, newspaper room, and Mike would send me uh, an email stating, "Are you at the office?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that became known as my uh, yes, my exactly. office. But uh, it was one of those things where naturally you do the research first, and one point would lead to another point. You, I would conduct an interview. Uh, with one of his teammates, former teammates, or an uh, opposition player he played at Dengst, and they would tell me something. And then it'd be immediately like, what information can I get further on this point that this player has made about Bob? So, and this also works into the second part about uh, what I learned about Bob that surprised me. And it all dates back to uh, January 1942 when he was called up to the Maple Leafs. He started the season in... uh, Hershey, playing for the uh, Hershey Bears. The Leaf defense was struggling. Uh, Hab Day and Frank Selke uh, Sr. went on a scouting mission, and they they had three 
prospects on defense, and they they chose Bob. And then he played with them right into the famous historical 1942 Stanley Cup final where the Leafs fell down, uh, fell uh, four games, uh, three games games. against um, Detroit, came back, roared back, won the next four. And Bob's impact on that series was just amazing when you do the research. Um, Some some people called him the best player in the series because he was just lugging the puck out and just setting up plays. He scored a major goal in game six. Uh, which I was lucky enough to get Foster Hewitt's uh, play-by-play and break it down into the book, which was just amazing. So I was able to learn uh, quite a bit about him. His time in Detroit, uh, some of the Detroit players ended up calling him dad because he was that Mm -hmm. well-respected. He was, uh, the reason it's called outside the goal crease is Bob was a shot blocker. And I'm sure if they kept statistics back then of how many blocks shots he made, and then turn them into scoring opportunities for Detroit was uh, like Ted Lindsay talks about this in the book. It was he was just a, a loyal teammate. They loved him, and uh, the two contrasts in Toronto. He was the big rushing defenseman, always went on the play, and then he um, went to Detroit and he became a shot blocker. But uh, his whole career is uh, covered in the book, and uh, it's available on. Uh, both platforms on uh, Amazon.ca and .com, and um, it's a good read. It's a good read for hockey fans who enjoy the history of the game and want to learn something about uh, a player they not may not be so familiar with. But a lot of people, and that's another thing that surprised me, was how many people knew Bob Goldham for his Hockey Night in Canada. Oh, that's right. His as a color commentator yeah. and uh, studio analyst, and yeah. then he went in that. But it's it's a fine read. Now, talking about projects, mm-hmm. uh, I hear you're going to be doing a little bit of traveling in the future. But you you have uh, something and you've you released the information this week. Uh, tell us about it, Mike. Well, I mean, for those who who haven't followed, um, you know, as the Ultimate Leafs fan, I mean, there's been a, a process for me in this lifetime of collecting and amassing this collection of Maple Leaf artifacts. We've you know, Deb and I have hosted many, many events at our place, raising money for charities. Uh, I've written a book. Uh, we've, you know, I speak about it. We've hosted lots of hockey events. And I receive emails on a daily basis as the Ultimate Leafs fan, which was name given to me, by the way, by ESPN, to those who don't know the story, not by myself. And what I found was, you know, these passionate and almost emotional letters and and comments we get from people telling me stories, you know, telling me stories about their past of Maple Leaf history in the family, artifacts, things to sell, and asking questions about Maple Leaf history. So keeping all that together, you know, I thought, what a wonderful way for me to, now that my collection most of it has moved to the Museum of History in Ottawa, and, you know, I do spend my time researching about why I collected and accumulated all these things and continue to speak to people. The next logical step I thought over talking to people, and we've spent a lot of time with our family, Debbie and I in particular, talking about this is to step out and find out what it is about Leaf Nations that makes people so passionate about this hockey club and why it's become such an iconic brand worldwide. So what I'm going to attempt to do this year is attend all 82 Maple Leaf games. Wow. Home and away. And the idea being is we were going to do this a couple of years ago. And, you know, everybody's saying, well, it's a great year to do it because the Leafs are going to be so good. Well, that's, that's the bonus. What it really is, is if the Leafs weren't very good, and there was all these years where the team hasn't won since 67, and you, you go to a place like Columbus on a Monday night in the middle of January, and it's 20 below zero outside, and there's four guys who've driven down from Winnipeg sitting there in Leaf sweaters, and the Leafs are five games out of a playoff. I mean, why are you guys sitting here? 
That's the passion that I'm out looking for. So what I'm going to do is we're going to go, I'm going to reach out to Leafs Nation and I want people to share their stories with me because, you know, as, as a accumulator of artifacts, I think of myself as a preserver of history. And what I am is I'm basically just a gatekeeper to the pieces. And I just love to relay the stories to fellow Leaf fans and anybody who's ever visited the room at our home. And it doesn't matter whether it's from Wayne Gretzky, Bobby or Phyllis Bazito, Brandon Shannon, whoever it is. And they walk down those 14 steps. And once they get to the bottom and they listen to me for a few minutes, they then relay their own stories. Because remember, everybody was a kid at one time themselves and everybody has a story. So I like to think the Toronto Maple Leafs. The history of this team goes back to, and unlike baseball, when baseball was taking off in the 20s and radio was exponentially growing year by year and it was becoming a form of entertainment for families, hockey was the only game in town. And anybody west of Ontario, the only game they would get would be the, the Leaf game. And even in the eastern part, it was against the, it was Montreal or Toronto. So families would gather around the radio when Foster Hewitt started broadcasting in 1933 across the country, and that would be the form of entertainment. And they would listen to the game. So that generational thing that people did was passed down from generation to generation and famous would talk about it and those are the stories we're searching out i mean even during the wartime our military was entertained by foster's wartime broadcast and they became something to inspire our military to keep going on and gave them some inspiration to look forward to listening to these broadcasts he became more popular than prime minister well, today that wouldn't be tough to do, but we're not a political show here. <laughs> but you know, but it's those are the stories we're looking for. You know, the guy who postponed his wedding because the Leafs were playing in the playoffs, or you know, something with your grandfather. And we want people to share these stories with us. Now, Mike, let's let's give the uh, listeners an example. You're, let's say you're in uh, California. Mm-hmm. They got the Los Angeles Kings, San Jose Sharks, Anaheim Ducks. You attend those games now. You're there. How does this all incorporate it into your journey? Well, what's going to happen is, is this. Now, Deb, we're working with an influencer group. Uh, we're working with, um, you know, another friend of ours who's actually become a friend of ours who's in the PR business who's going to help market this from the media standpoint and keep it out there on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So please follow us. And we do have a hashtag, by the way. It's going to be hashtag ultimate fan road trip. So what we want to do is, is an example. When we when the media release went out earlier in the week, we started getting contacts, and I got a contact that I didn't even know existed. There's four Maple Leaf meetup groups in four NHL cities, and there's more. And they've reached out to us to, to do something with them when we come into town. There's one in Washington, as a matter of fact, and the Maple Leafs play there uh, the first week of the season. And there's one in California. There's actually a Canadian meetup group. And those guys, there's 2,500 members in, in Orange County. There's four times the amount in L.A., and there's a group in San Diego. They're all gonna, they've all asked me if we will do something when we go out there. And this is exactly what we're looking for. We're trying to reach out to Canadians, Leaf fans. And you don't even need to be a Leaf fan. It, it, maybe the Leafs interrupted your some guy watching The Bachelor or something like that, or a girl watching The Bachelor, and you're, you're mad at them. But anything, the, the team has touched everybody at some point. Love them, hate them, or you're, you're neutral on them. They have affected your life at some point, and hockey has touched all of us at some point, whether you're a player, a fan, a parent, or, or whatever you are. It, it has, or it's interrupted your shows again. So those are the stories we're looking for. And yeah, you, you would, like, let's say you go down there in California, yeah. you meet with one of these groups. And let's say they go to dinner so you can get all the stories, their yes. stories, and then you put them on the website or... Well, what's going to happen is I took actually, I went to, took a, I didn't even know how to turn a camera on, by the way. So I'm really showing my, 
as a 64-year-old man, I am embarrassed to say I took a lesson from a 10-year-old. But I, I learned how to use a camera. I'm trying to learn how to use a camera. So if you see me, please, please, please be patient. And the video side, and I've got Deb coaching me at home a little bit, who has a little bit of... But I'm going to record it. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to write blogs about it. Uh, I'm going to... There's, there's, I'm working with one of the, the daily newspapers here that's going to cover it on a weekly basis. So it's going to be out there. And we're going to be working with an influencer group and, and so on. We're going to be out there in Leaf Nation and spreading it. So I think what's going to happen is, so for the first 10, 15 games or so, people are going to go, there's that Mike was that ultimate Leaf guy following his Maple Leafs. Great. So after 20, 25 games, <laughs> I think people are going to step back and say, geez, this stiff's really going to do this. Like, we better talk to this guy or reach out. But I think what will happen is eventually, and we hope what's what happens, is this becomes less about the, about me following the team and more of a sports story and what it should really be about, and that's Maple Leafs and the Maple Leaf Nation and the fans and why this team, everybody's so passionate about it. And that's what I'm really seeking to find out there. Now, what are you, uh, what are you really looking forward to? You know, I know it's a dream of every hockey fan whether it be Toronto or if you're in uh, Los Angeles or Winnipeg, to follow your team for the entire 82-game schedule. What are you really looking forward to? Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's, it's like an, I was on Bay Street for 40 years. So going into work every day, one thing, because I do think about working in the market, maybe not so much today, back in the day when it was really something, the auction market really meant something in the Bay Street, was that every day was different. So it's not what you know, it's what you don't know. So it's the unexpected, like these people reaching out from across the country in the last few days. And I, you know, right away when our media release went out, I got emails from people in you know, San Jose, from uh, Columbus, from Carolina, from New York, all Leaf fans reaching out, will you look me up when you come here? And, and, and I said, absolutely, that's the, that's the point. So for me, the excitement for me is finding that little nugget that somebody shares with me, and I'll be honored then to pass along. But there's other things we're looking for, too. And, and if anybody has any ideas, please send it to us, ultimateleasfan.com, and, and reach out to us and give us some ideas. As an example, the first road trip is October 7th to Chicago. I get off the plane. I'm going to let you guys in a little secret here that you're going to find out about. But I'm then jumping on a car that I've rented. And, well, Deb rented, actually. I'm just going to pick it up. And I'm driving to Woodstock, not for... You know, deja vu with Bill Murray and uh, Groundhog Day. But I'm actually going to meet Eric Bloom. And Eric Bloom is the sculptor for Legends Row at Scotiabank Arena. And I know Eric. We've met. He's been to our place for a couple of events. So I'm going to go and spend some time with him. I'm going to interview him because he's admittedly not much of a hockey guy. But I want to know what kind of an impact the Maple Leafs have made on his life since he's become involved doing these sculptures. So, and then when I move to Detroit, I'll give you two stories. I'm going to sit down with Jimmy Devlin. I'm going to, if he's listening, I'm not going to, he's going to learn what I'm going to, what I want to talk to him about <laughs> is he was at one time the second largest shareholder of Maple Leaf Gardens on an individual basis. And here he was growing up Leaf fan. He had an affection for the stock markets. We have that in common. And he, was a, he, he looked at value in Maple Leaf Guards and bought it. So I want to talk to him about that. So these are the type of side stories I'm going to be looking for also. And we're looking for all kinds of you know, um, suggestions from people. You know, we have four generations of Maple Leaf fans in our family, as an example. Debbie's family has a whole history. Her stepfather uh, got his family got their start because of Red Kelly. And the one thing he wanted to do was meet Red Kelly. And when Red Kelly came to us, he came and he went up and shook his hand and thanked him for giving his father's start in business, a hockey connection. You know, he grew up on the same street as Mike Murphy. And Mike Murphy became, it was a little kid running around playing ball hockey. And I met Mike Murphy a, uh, a couple months ago at a reunion. Mike spoke glowingly of Mendy. 
you know, our family, my dad went to his first game in 1936. He took me to my first game when I was six years old, and Frank scored his 48th goal that night, and my dad looked down to jump up and everybody cheer, and there I was sleeping. And he said, ultimately, Fanny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my daughter, her name went up on the, the board when, her, when it was her birthday, and it was her birthday, the thing she remembers, her birthday the same day as Pat Quinn's. Wow. My son got a puck deflected to him his first game by Thomas Carbolet, shot it, and T- Darcy Tucker deflected it. So you know, the whole point being is in January, my granddaughter turns three. We're going to take her to a game, and I'm going to take my dad to two kids and my granddaughter, and there's going to be our fourth generation. Well, she doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be a Maple Leafs fan. But there's four generations. And if you think about it, there can really only be five, maybe six generations if you go back to when the Leafs started in 1927. Well, that's very interesting, Mike. That's, you know, we all can relate to that because I... My first game, January 1965, with my dad, thanks to Boston Bruins. Something that remains in my mind to this day. You know, my dad's passed on, but it's it's something that, it's a cherished memory. Now, this is the other thing about your trip, or your, your adventure, is the Toronto aspect of it. You know, you got the road games, which is going to be new to you, mm-hmm. but there's so many stories, like you were mentioning, in Toronto about families and their connection to the game. How are you going to approach you know, being in the hometown sort of thing. That's a great question, Jimmy, because what we're trying to do is we like to, what, what are the, one of our friends, and, and the best part about it is when you talk to people, people embrace the idea immediately and have great suggestions. And again, I can't encourage people enough to send us any kind of suggestions. One of our friends suggested that we go around for the different ethnic groups throughout the, the city of, the metropolitan area of Toronto and talk to people about the Maple Leafs. Uh, the Punjab announcers, those guys are awesome. Like, I want to sit and talk to those guys. Uh, I've had emails from people who told us that when they arrived as immigrants from overseas or wherever they've come from, not speaking a lot of English back in the 50s, what they would do is they'd watch TV to learn to speak English. And what would they watch? Hockey Night Canada. And so thus, the Maple Leafs become their team because they can make a connection with the names and reading, trying to read the newspaper uh, the next day or two days later, if it was a weekend game. So these are the type of stories. Mike Murphy, when I spoke to him, he was thinking for a moment. And he told me, you know, Mike, it's funny. When I was a kid, you call yourself the Ultimate Leaf fan. We were, but not quite like you. But going to games as a seven-year-old, sharing a seat at the gardens with my sister. And he had all kinds of stories like that. So these are the stories. I mean, Brendan Shanahan told Deb and I over dinner one time, he suggested that, you know, I always try to find something for you guys to be different for the Maple Leafs, which which connects me to them. And he said, as a family growing up, the one thing I can remember doing only as a family was watching Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday nights. So those are the stories I'm going to reach out to around the city and find them. I've had people sharing these stories with me for years. Now it's just I want to expand that network to out in Leaf Nation and globally. And it doesn't matter. People send emails. I don't care if they have an NHL team or not. Send them to us and we're going to share them. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. You know, when you're looking at the generations, is to, you know, you got the old and the new, and it, it'd be a very interesting mix as to, you know, me and you being older, we can relate to, you know, Hockey Night in Canada and st- uh, stuff like that. You wonder how the new generations become involved with the game and everything. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, how much do you miss your collection? Well, that's <laughs> a, a lot. I, I mean, a lot. I mean, it's, I, I know where it is. I know it's in good hands. I knew it was time to move on. We sat and discussed it. I talked to the kids about it. I talked to Debbie about it extensively. And we, we decided it was time. And I, I think what the next step is that this is going to be shared with fellow Canadians. And not just my collection, but hopefully this will be the benchmark for them to start a bigger entree of collectibles related to Canadian hockey. And what I'm hoping for is that in Ottawa, they will come up with a, a, a exhibit 
specifically directed towards Canada's contribution to the game of hockey, be it the Colored League, which was in Nova Scotia for 25 years, and, and rules in that game are now implemented in the NHL still to, to this day. Uh, it's just not the seven NHL teams and the two national teams. It's the blind hockey, the, the deaf team, uh, women's hockey, Aboriginal, uh, diversity as a whole, grassroots hockey, anything Canada has. And why not brag about it? Because we're the best in the world at it. Why wouldn't we talk about it? And it's our national game, and it defines us not only as Canadians, but as a country. So I think that's really, really imperative that we do that. And that's one of the real things that I'm very passionate about. And that's the next thing. The next step for Ottawa, I think, and it's going to take a few years. So as the natural evolution of this goes along, we've, I've done that. I've spent my life accumulating all these artifacts to put into a museum of such. As I said, we've talked about it, written about it. I like to go out and speak about it. By the way, anybody looking for new speakers, I'm available. But we do will go out there. And now the next thing is to find out what it is. And that's why I think it's very important that I do this. And I was just going to do it personally. And we're just going to share it amongst our family and our friends. But then when I start speaking to people, I said, this is a much bigger project than what you think it is. Well, it's a dream. It's a dream of any uh, hockey fan in the nation. You know, who wouldn't want to be in your shoes to take this trip? And I I think it's... uh it's a great thing to uh, look forward to, especially with the uh, high expectations for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I think it's just going to, I encourage any, everyone, go to the ultimateleasefan.com and uh, just follow Mike. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a ride. It's going to be a terrific ride. Well, here's the thing. Um, it, it's just not some guy driving around or flying around or whatever it is, sitting in the Gucci seats, eating sushi, which I don't eat and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, th- this, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be Randy Quaid. This is planes, trains, and automobiles. And that's a proven vacation where any transfor- transformation I can get there, I, that's what I'm going to take. And, we're, and, you know, Deb, I can't speak enough of what she's done with Dave as far as organized us. The hours and hours of work they put in behind the scenes to make this all happen are just, I, I can't thank them enough. But the idea is that we're going to do this on the cheap. I've got friends that are starting to duck on me now because I'm looking for couches, <laughs> free tickets, free meals. <laughs> but, but what I'm also going to do is I'm going to document the whole thing. So I'm going to show it on a cost basis and a cost structure. And I, I, I'm not always going to have cost certainty, but I'm going to have some cost certainty so people can relate. And that's why I think it becomes more of a sports story than it is a Leaf story at some point. But it'll still be about the Maple Leafs. But guys will be looking back and saying, geez, I could do that because I'm going to, if I have to hustle ticket out the front, I will do that. You know, if somebody takes me to a game, which I'm hoping they will do, I will go to the game. You know, if somebody offers me a free hot dog, I'm going to take it. You know, and I'm, I'm now mooching off all my friends around the NHL. They, you know, I've got couches to sleep on. So this is going to be a real trip. And, you know, and I think that's that's the, the important part of it, because it's a grassroots trip for me to find out where it all started and why it's so passionate amongst all fellow Leaf fans. And even if you're not a Leaf fan, as I said before, what it is. So that's why I think the imperative thing about it is. So, Are you buying new luggage? Actually, I did. I actually <laughs> bought and I got my one of my friends, uh, Joel Spiegelman, who helped us with organize a lot of this. Also, he actually got me to buy a knapsack. Oh. That's because it holds a computer and all these things. So I'm going to be lugging that around. And I got a new suitcase. Deb got me a new suitcase so I can carry my stuff. So, so Jimmy, I, 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 you know, I could talk about this forever. Please, people, reach out to us, ultimateleasefan.com again. Uh, happy to answer any questions. We're coming to a near, near to an end as usual. We always run out of time. We have lots to talk about. So our Maple Leafs. What do you project? Uh, what, what's your projection uh, for just very quickly in 20 seconds? Or well, less? minimal, they uh, make the playoffs. You know, they just barely make it, let's say. But everything starts in the second season. 
Uh, that's where all the 82 games during the regular season is all wiped out, and it's a new season. If they have problems during the regular season, they can all be resolved with uh, a good performance in the uh, in the playoffs. Well, I, I concur. I think that everybody's expectations should remain level. All they want to do is stay in the playoffs to remain relevant. But we're looking forward to the season starting in another week. Guys, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.